0: I'm excited to share share from my heart this morning. I I tell you, I don't, I tell you all the time, I do not take this lightly and and, uh, all the prayer I can get to make it through this, by the grace of God, I'll make it through it, Um, but this is a a good Sunday to worship our risen Savior. It's been fun sharing our hearts over this sermon series with you. Uh, It's been a blast to kind of look at uh, practical truths in God's Word, And, and I have to be honest with you, Josh and I, when we... When Sean uprooted and left and we said, okay, let's come up with a sermon series, we looked at where we had been, we looked at where we were, and we started praying about where we feel God is going to continue to push us. And and that's why we came up with this sermon series, Game On, God's Plans for Life's Games, because we wanted to take God's Word and find practical truth. And give you guys, give us, our church, a life app for the week. And hopefully you've enjoyed it. If not, tough luck. You know, I mean, it's just you're stuck with us. So uh, it's been a blessing. It's been fun. And as we conclude our series today, uh, I want to remind you that you can go to God's Word and find practical, capital T, truths to live out your life. Go to God's Word. That's where that's where answers are. And uh, man, it's your roadmap. It doesn't tell you. I didn't I didn't turn to Matthew chapter 13 and see that Matthew Weaver was supposed to marry Cody Weaver? That's not how that works. But through the guiding of of the Holy Spirit, I can find practical truths to live out my life. And so I, I encourage you guys to continue to do that. And uh, over the last eight weeks, five sermons, if you will, this would be a six-week sermon series. We had two weeks off there as Dr. Wilson came uh, we covered uh, five different life apps and just to, to conclude the series the first one I kicked off with a game of tag and your um, life app that week was tag you're it and to go out and, and if God has redeemed you from darkness and placed you in the light then tell somebody about it tag you're it and then Josh did a great job he took the game of Scrabble and, and he, he worked with that and, and uh, man he, he gave us instead of watch your mouth it was watch your heart because it comes as Matt read this morning, it comes from the heart what goes in is what comes out and then I I took the game of Monopoly, the most popular game in in all of history in the world is Monopoly and I asked you guys to become traders not to trade and start rooting for the Yankees but to and and start rooting instead of the Rangers I asked you to trade in your time your talents and your treasures your time, your resources and and your money and start pursuing Jesus To, to understand what it means to be a trader then we came back two weeks ago and, and looked at the game of Candyland and how life's not like Candyland. And to have a, grab a mint and have a fresh outlook on life. And then Josh again did a wonderful job. Uh, instead of forgive and forget, looking at the game of sorry, we did forgive and remember. Remember that we can forgive because Christ first forgave us. Amen? It's been a fun time. And uh, this week we close out the, the series. And just to, to be honest with you, back in August I had this sermon written. Okay, we, we planned out the six games, and I had this sermon done, and I thought, dude, I'm going to take this game that I'm about to tell y'all, and this is going to be easy, and I'm going to roll with it, and it's just going to be fine. But man, over the last couple weeks, the, the Lord has uh, just chipped away at my heart, and I, I hope you guys hear my heart this morning. Um, it's a fun game that we're going to be covering. It's a strategic game, okay? It's a game that over 3.5 trillion moves. It's like 3 trillion trillion. There's a bunch of millions and billions in there, but over 3.5 trillion moves can be played on this game. You play between you and opponent, you take these little chips, and it's seven columns by six rows high, and across from you, you, it's called Connect Four. Anybody ever played that game? Raise your hand. It's a fun game. It's a very strategic game, and you have to think. So I told y'all, Scrabble necessarily wasn't my uh, cup of tea, if you will, because and, 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 it's a strategic game. And the same thing with uh, Connect Four. I love playing the game, but I'm ADHD. And if you ever watch The Price is Right, my favorite game on there is, is it Plinko? Where they take the chips and it's like, dum, dum, sh- 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 sh. oh, I'm so close. That's kind of how I play Connect Four. There's no strategy for me. It's like, one here, one here. Oh, look, across. run oh, here, one here. And, and so my, I never win at the game. Uh, but it's a fun game. And like I told you, uh, I, I took that and I thought, connect four. It's going to be easy. I'm going to take our four core values, and I'm going to connect the dots with reach, connect, grow, seek. And so while I wish uh, your sermon was going to be about f- seven to nine minutes, uh, it's not, okay? And so I want you to hold tight with me and, uh, as we work through this. But uh, again, as time went on, the Lord really began to lay a passage of Scripture on my heart, one that is one of my favorite passages that Paul writes uh, in the book of Ephesians as he's writing to the church of Ephesus. So if you have your Bibles you can go ahead and and, um, turn there. Uh, Ms. Gay Hart, she is a prayer warrior and we have lots of prayer warriors uh, in in this church and she gets on to me when I apologize so I'm going to tell you straight up this morning church, I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to step on some toes and I'm going to do what God has asked me to do and, and that's to share his truth of where we are as a church and when I say we I definitely mean us but I also mean the church in general here in America uh, and man so just bear with me because I have a heavy burden I've been carrying the last couple of weeks and it's it's one that I feel like we're, we're right on the verge of seeing some really cool things happen and I want to just challenge us to be real this morning Uh, in a very honest and transparent way but also a very direct way as I share God's truth this morning so if you have your Bibles uh, Ephesians chapter 3 we're going to be camped out in verses 14 through 21 it is a great passage of scripture and and, uh, I love this letter that Paul writes to the church uh, of Ephesians to the church of Ephesus he does a great job of encouraging the church if you read chapter 1 and 2 and I encourage you take time to read through Ephesians. Matter of fact, most of our life groups are walking through Ephesians. Because it talks a lot about church unity and where the, this church was. So one and two, it's it's constantly pointing to saved by grace through faith. And, and God has redeemed us. And so Paul is writing to this church. It's a great church. But he's saying, hey, remember this. This is how you've been saved. It's not by, but by the, the works of man, but it's all what Jesus did for us. And so he's he, he does not, he, he kind of takes a curveball in chapter 3. He doesn't shy away from the state in which he had heard the church was in. And why do I know that? Because you can read commentary after commentary. And just so we're clear, he is in prison, serving two years in prison, chained and shackled uh, to a wall to his guard. And Paul is, is sharing his heart by what uh, Titus has come back to him and said, Hey man, the church at Ephesus is kind of struggling right now. It's kind of looking like a country club and, and not necessarily like the church. And these people feel entitlement and, and, and we really need to pray for them. And so Paul, the scripture we're going to be reading, is his prayer uh, to the Father. As a matter of fact, most commentaries that as I was reading through believe that Ephesians resonates with the contemporary church, if you will. Because it seems Paul was writing, uh, could have written this letter to a 21st century church. Um, Man, he speaks in chapter 1 and 2 again regarding of what God had done, uh, that we were saved by grace through faith. And then he begins his prayer in chapter 3, verse 1. And then he kind of goes on chasing this rabbit and he gets back to where we're going to be in uh, chapter 3, verse 14. Um, So if you have your Bibles, if you would, please stand with me in the honor of God's reading. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father Chapter Verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, God, I pray as we have sung the song, Holy Spirit, rain down. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom this morning. God, that you would pierce our hearts. God, that you would draw us back to our first love of, of remembering back when we were maybe eight years old and, and you saved us and you gave us eternal life. And somewhere along the way, God, my heart was hardened or, or our, our hearts became calloused of what you had done and we just slip into this complacency role and we just roll with the punches. And God, today you are desiring to do big things in this church, in this community, in this nation for your kingdom and your kingdom alone. God, raise up a generation for this uh, for this place, Lord. Raise up a generation of young and old to pursue You and only You. God, I pray that You have freedom to reign this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, Amen. You may be seated. So, before we dig any deeper into this passage, I wanted to go through our, our first point. Okay, it's going to be very brief, but to connect the dots, if you will, connect four uh, to connect our four of our FBC core values and you see them and we plaster them all over the place you see them on signs on in Kim's office we put it on t-shirts it's reach connect grow and seek so if you're taking notes the first thing I want you to write down uh, is we need to know our strategy I just want to take a brief moment to make sure we all know our strategy because Paul was reminding this church their strategy okay Paul was bringing them back to what got what Jesus had done to set up the church, and he's bringing them back, and here at FBC, again, we've ingrained this idea in all of our minds of of this new direction over the last few years. I shared earlier, we've prayed through, we fought over, we've cried together, and literally pulled all-nighters on our staff retreats four years ago to come up with these four simple words. Okay, literally, we fought over this and pulled all-nighters because here's the deal, we knew something needed to be done we prayed through it and we came up with those four words we wanted to simplify things we have so many good things going on here we wanted to just simplify because if you're like me you've got to have a goal you've got to have a plan and so we all just sat down and we just said God show us what you want we came up with those four words it's simple everything we do whether corporately as a church or individually we try our best to tie this strategy in with how we live out our life and how we do ministry here at this church So real quick, so we're all on the same page. We want to reach people with Christ. To be a light to our neighbors in your community, in your workplaces, wherever you are at, that is your mission field. Students, your mission field. Eastland Middle School, Eastland High School, wherever God has you. Teachers, your class is your mission field. So it's easy to to catch that. Reach, reach people for Christ. Then what do you do when you reach them? You just pat them on the back? No, you connect them with the same gospel that changed your life. Okay, when I was eight years old, I understood what I did when I said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. As an eight-year-old, I wasn't on the streets selling drugs. I was stealing candy from Brookshires and lying to my parents. But you know what? That sin separated me, and at the age of eight, I was able to say, God, I can't bridge that gap. I need you to do that for me, and I want you to be Lord of my life. So that day, that night, I vividly remember, changed my life. Yes, I've had ups and downs and valleys and mountaintops, but man, it changed my life to where He's Lord of my life. So connect him with that hope. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, you have hope. Connect the darkness with that hope of that light that we have. So connect or reach and then connect. And the third thing we do as a church is to grow in our walk with Christ, to grow spiritually as an individual and as a church. Numerically comes when, when the people are growing. I mean, I'm not talking about... God, fill this place with 500 people. I'd absolutely love that, but I'm talking about growing spiritually as an individual and as a church. And the fourth one, seek the will of the Lord rather than the ways of this world. Reach, connect, grow, and seek. To seek our Father in heaven through his word and through intentional prayer. It's it. It's simple. It's four words. That's why we simplify things so that we're able to just go and do ministry. Some would say, that's a great message, Matt. Let's get out of here early. And while I wish that was the message and, and I just said, hey, let's all go do that, I, I really find the burden I'm about to share is, is what comes with the next point. In the last two weeks, God has chipped away at my heart. Man, he has seriously, and probably even longer than that, but in particular over this message, has chipped away and said, Matt, slow down. Slow down, son. Easy. And, and he has chipped away at this idea of prayer. So again, if you're taking notes, the second thing I want you to write down or realize, sometimes we need to make the connection after we've realized there's a strategy. So we need to make the connection here. Because if you're like me in the game of connect four, you just start placing your chips like I told you. And I know I'm supposed to connect four, and I know I'm supposed to do those things, but I get sidetracked, and life hits me. I know I'm supposed to reach people for Christ, but man, I just got to get out of Walmart so I can get home, and this person needs help, and I don't really have time. We need to make the connection here, church. And to make the connection, I want us to dig deeper into Paul's prayer for this church. believe that looking at history, the church of of Ephesus had been set up. It had been well established. Hundreds of thousands, 300,000 people. It's it's a a, uh, seaport place. And man, it was the happening place. And this church was set up, and it was doing great ministries. They had great programs, and they had everything lined out. But somewhere along the way, they started missing the connection. And so Paul throws a curveball at them when he continues his prayer. So to make the connection, we need to understand the importance of connecting our strategy with the one who gave us the strategy. And that's Christ, God, who gave us the vision. And the only way to do that is through prayer. And that is my heart this morning. The only way to make that connection and to establish your strategy, which we already have, but we've got to go back and make this connection. And it has got to be through prayer. Because when prayer takes place, hearts can be changed, church. Lives can be changed. Marriages can be restored. Relationships can be healed. Dads can begin to lead their families. And the church can be strengthened to grow. Amen? And the connection that we're about to see here comes from humility. And humility comes from the idea that it's not about you. And you hear me say this a lot, and I, I, this is my motto every day. It's not about me. It's not. It is not about you. And why do I know that? Look at uh, Okay, Paul is in prison. And it has been brought to him that the church of Ephesus needs a little swift kick in the rear end, if you will, okay? Sorry to offend anybody, but the church became complacent. And, and, and Paul is, is, hears from this that, hey, man, this church, this church is, w- was set up to do good, and they started to become complacent. Why do I know this? Chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the, the, before the Father. Notice his posture. For this reason, I bow my knees. Kneeling wasn't necessarily something that was accustomed to the Jewish people. This isn't suggesting that this is the only way to pray or the best way to pray. This is, this is understanding that from a jail cell, he could have easily said, What do you want me to do about it? I can't do anything about this. Look, I'm locked up. No, you can You can do anything when you understand the power of prayer. And that's what Paul did. He, he went to his knees. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father." Gratitude is what prompted this prayer. Again, chapters one and two. Gratitude of what Jesus did for them. Not anything, but what Jesus had done for them. It's what prompted this prayer. When Paul reflects on God's amazing grace, it led him to his knees, church. It led him to his knees. and When Paul is able to do that, he says this prayer, for this reason, I bow my knees. When we think about God's amazing grace, how often does it drive us to our knees? I'll be honest with you. Not very often for me. Oh God, thank you for this. Thank you for getting me out of this mess. And uh, High school students, thank you Lord for helping me with my geometry test. You probably didn't even study. I'm sure it wasn't him that helped you. You just guessed correctly or something. But the point is that so many times we just take that for granted. And Paul says, no, I, I can do something. Because of the power through what God has done through Christ. Prayer is not asking God for a goodie bag. It begins and it ends with worship. Today, we, most of everybody would probably raise their hand if I said, what is worship to you? Most of y'all would say, well, it's singing songs. Hey, prayer begins and ends with worship. Worship is what you do and how we are to live our lives. And it starts with prayer. Kneeling here is a sign of absolute and total desperation. Because Paul understood he was approaching the one that could give this church what they needed. Paul couldn't fix it. Paul couldn't. Do, if anybody could fix a church, I would say Paul could. I mean, read all of his letters. He had the road map, and, and he started, he was an affluent man who started to, to, to these churches. And my gosh, he was a murderer of Christians. Talk about a conversion. God took him and used him. If anybody could have fixed it, I, I would venture to say Paul would. When we are approaching the one who can act on our behalf, it gives us a sense of helplessness. And Paul is passionate that this church gets it. And church today, I'm passionate that we get it as a church. That we understand what this connection is that I'm talking about. See, Paul was desperate on their behalf. Paul went to his knees on their behalf because he knew what the church needed. And that something could only come from God, and that's God's power. If you look at verse 16. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from every from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see, no man could fix their problems. No man could fix their issues. And no man could give them what they needed, this perfect plan to go from step A to step B, step one to step two. They needed the power of God to fall on them yet again. Great church, doing great things, but became complacent wonderful church, wonderful ministries, but they became complacent. Let me read this vivid illustration I found to kind of better connect the dots here. The donkey awakened, his mind still savoring the afterglow of the most exciting day of his life. Never before had he felt such a rush of pleasure and pride and he walked into town, he found a group of people by the well and said, I'll show myself to them, he thought. But they didn't even notice him. They went on drawing their water, they paid him no mind. Throw your garments down, he said crossly. Don't you know who I am? They just looked at him in amazement. Someone slapped him across the tail and ordered him to move. You miserable heathens, he muttered to himself. I'll just go to the market where the good people are. They'll remember who I am. The same thing happened. No one paid attention to the donkey as he strutted down the main street in front of the marketplace. The palm branches, where are my palm branches? he shouted. Yesterday you threw palm branches at me. Hurt and confused, the donkey returned home to his mother. The mother said gently, You foolish child. Don't you realize that without him, you are just an ordinary donkey? Church, apart from him, we can do nothing. Individually or corporately, we can do nothing. That's why we need to come before him, kneeling, falling on our knees before our Father." And I just want to stop and pause. I don't know what got into us, but somewhere along the way, and I say us corporately as a church and the church, somewhere along the way, we became so programmed that it's this, it's this, it's this, 30 seconds for prayer, this, this, let's close in prayer. And and prayer just became this thing. God, thank you for this, thank you for that, and and Lord, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen. I mean, seriously, somewhere along the way, prayer and corporate service just became just another thing. Well, we better do it. We're a church. Let's pray. We're Baptists. Let's pray. It's, we've got to eat good, you know. And, and somewhere along the way, why did it become awkward for this altar to be full of people? I mean, you can pray from your seats, but what, what happened to a sense of allness of who God is? I mean, if we, the church, can't be a place where people come with their problems and their burdens and lay it all out there, why in the world would we think they're going to do it at Eastland Middle School or at the Brookshire's parking lot? Why would we think that? What, what has gotten into us that prayer has just become a thing that we check the box, myself included. And my challenge to us, guys, is to understand, Paul had nothing to do except to pray. And if you read the rest of Ephesians, man, it ought to blow your mind with the power of prayer and this letter to the church and how that church pushed forward and broke this, the chains of complacency and said, you know what, Paul thinks, you're right. You're right. This isn't a country club where I pay my dues and everything's here for me. This is for the people. You're right. And somewhere along the way, prayer, man, it just became unnecessary for us. Why do we kneel before the Father? Because His resources never run out. He is gracious. He wants to heal marriages. He wants to break addictions. He wants to fight for the orphan and to take care of the widow and to revive His church. Why? Because scripture tells us all according to the riches of His glory. Not Matt's, not FBC Eastland, not Pastor Sean, not the next pastor. It's not for us. It is for the riches of his glory. And Paul got it and he's trying to get this church to get it. So I'm glad we know our strategy. I really am. I'm glad we know those four simple words. But I think we need to stop knowing them with our mind and start kneeling before our Father and saying, God, help us to live these out again. Help us to understand how we can make a difference. Been meeting with a, a I guess since I've started here full time on Wednesday mornings at 5:45 we meet. It's early. Josh, did you know 5:44, 5:45 happened twice? You probably didn't. But we meet early, and uh, up in the youth room, and we we pray for revival. Group of small group of men. Anybody's welcome. Men, women, youth. I I could care less because man, it is an awesome time for prayer. And I, I think about praying for revival. It's one thing to teach prayer or to hear about it. It's another thing to experience. It is another thing to experience. And Paul is writing to this church. He is writing to him because he believed that this church desperately needed to hear it. And I believe we desperately need to hear his plea, church. Because here's the deal, I, I, I'm putting on a deck, and uh, Randy came out, and Randy Clark came out and helped me. I woke up this morning, and I could barely move, okay? Like, I've got blisters all over my hand. I'm still considered young to most of y'all, but my back, like, from bending and screwing in deck boards is killing me. I came across this. Our bodies may be wearing out and weakening as the days go by, but our soul absolutely needs to be renewed by the Spirit daily through prayer and supplication. Man, my my body is getting older, and some of y'all are like, wait till you're 75, you know? But hey, listen, our bodies aren't what gets us to heaven. It's our soul that gets us to heaven, and it needs to be renewed and revived on a daily basis. I hope I can get through this next part, but I I want to kind of walk through y'all with y'all the last three years. So three years ago this month, our pastor sat his church down, and he pleaded with us. Uh, he pleaded with us about the vision of God, that God had given him to reach this community. Okay, matter of fact, he, he was on his knees and, and pleaded with the Lord time and time again. God, just use somebody else. But God kept him here, and, and man, God gave him this God vis- God-given vision. And he pleaded with the Father about reaching a lost and disengaged group of generations. It was at that time your staff pleaded with the Lord for hours on our staff retreat, as I told you in my opening. We literally were in East Texas over three years ago in August, and, I mean, we fought, okay? We had, we stayed up, Larry stayed up till 4 a.m. with us, okay? And we cried and we fought over this, not because we were arguing about which way we wanted to go. We were arguing because we knew something had to be done. Some of y'all are like, man, what, are we in that bad of a state? Yes, yes. I'll be honest with you, we were. We were in a, a sense of complacency, and the Lord just began to, to shift our mindsets to come up with those four words. We knew we either had to make the necessary change or sit back and do nothing. But we realized that the, it was urgent because the gospel is urgent. And God did a huge work in His church. Man, we began living out the strategy. We, we had the connection and we had the strategy, and we were living it out. This time last year, I want to remind you guys, our church was in 40 days of prayer and fasting. It, we were hoping to get one group, one family, one person to commit for 40 days of prayer and fasting. I think on every day, and Kathy, you can probably test, we had more than one person. I mean, it was like people, we just shut down and people for 40 days prayed and fasted. Different people. Why? Because we had a scheduled revival event on our calendar. Alright, and that was a requirement from our evangelist. He said, I'm not coming to your church unless you guys are for real about this. Like, I'm not coming to take a love offering. I'm coming to see God's work here. So what did we do? 40 days leading up to a scheduled revival. We were in one service, worshiping in one accord with hopes of achieving one goal, and that was simply revival. We wanted revival, and it happened. Some of y'all may not have been around, but it happened. And over 150 volunteers showed up on a nightly basis for four nights, Sunday through Wednesday. Over 150 volunteers showed up, not for a cool t-shirt that we gave y'all that said volunteer on the back. They showed up because we were praying and fasting and leaving absolutely no room for Satan to have a foothold into this church. And people were alive, and and man, we were breathing and experiencing revival. Those 150 people prayed with people. Every night there was somebody who responded. Every night there was something to do. Some of them just put the shirt on and had a smile on their face and welcomed the community. Welcomed the community. A week I'll never forget. It was a monumental week for this church. And it happened right here. It's not that God showed up finally, it's because He never left church. And for the first time in a long time, this church prepared her hearts for revival. This, this church was on their knees before, the, before God on our faces preparing for revival. corporately, But more importantly, personally, corporate worship will happen when God's people will start experiencing revival personally. We put our preferences aside. We put our schedules on the back burner. We worked and we prayed and we fasted tirelessly. For those who weren't around, you ask what happened. Man, we saw people get saved. One night, over 550 people packed like sardines into this place. We saw God do a miracle. We baptized 103 people and water troughs. Some of y'all maybe came to that revival and some of you all your life was changed through that. Marriages were rooted and strengthened in God's Word. What, what happened? Several weeks passed and eventually months. I, I would say we became pleased with that. Oh God, thanks for sending revival. I mean I'd say we saw this miracle happen guess it was enough for us to go back myself included into this sense of complacency and of hey thanks God for answering our prayers. I mean scripture tells us now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think can I just give you a, a scenario of that like I, I remember Ronnie saying hey have the horse troughs ready you need to go to Tractor Supply they'll give them to you for the night fill them up dude people are gonna get baptized and I thought dude we hadn't even baptized he said a hundred I said we have not even baptized a hundred in four years what did God do? Far more abundantly than anything I could ever ask for. We had stakes. We bought enough steaks for 500 people. In our mind, it was like, there's not going to be more than 500 people. I think we fed close to 700 when it was volunteers. I mean, we had the choir loft packed. People were out in the hallways, sitting on the ground. Far more abundantly than we could ever ask. Far more abundantly than we could ever ask. Both personal and corporate revival took place. Our preferences were aside. Fast forward to eleven weeks ago, our pastor shared his last sermon with us. Almost three months have passed since that, and yes, God is still at work. These last three months of lots happened, church. You may not know this. People have joined our fellowship, praise God. People have been baptized and raised to newness of life, praise God. Councils have been sought, meetings have been had, and at the same time, preferences have been suggested on what we want. Well, we know what we need. Prayer's been discussed, but Rudy and I have talked several times in the guys uh, at prayer meeting. uh, We know it's been discussed. We know, oh, well, let's just pray. But prayer has not taken action. It has not taken root in its people, myself included, church. I'm not suggesting anything other than the fact that God's up to something really big. and You guys better hold on because he is up to something big. And the first thing that is, is he is trying to wake us up. He's trying to grab a hold of our hearts and bring us back to the first love. And you can't do that if you're, we're not praying. That's the only way. You can't do it. Tom Rainer says this, prayer is not an option in leading change in the church. It is foundational. Want to see revival? We need to wake up. Want to see this church be a light into this community? We need to wake up. Saying we don't need to make change is the worst thing that could happen. Because denial is the fastest path to death. And how do we fix it, church? It's through prayer. And this is your life app. Some of y'all jaws are dropped, like I can't believe he just said that. But your life app for this week is simple. It's time to wake up. I'm encouraged. You know why I'm encouraged? Because when when stuff, you know, and all this type of stuff goes on, it means God is up to something bigger than us. Far more abundantly than you could ever ask. Mm. Your life app this week is, is to wake up. Look around. Look at our nation. I mean, do I need to go into details of the chaos that we are in? No, just open up your Fox News app and you can see the chaos. I mean, we got people arguing about which life matters most. Hey, all lives matter because they were created in God's image. And we got people arguing about this stuff all across the nation and, and not standing up for the national anthem. And man, preference has taken over the American church. What do we want? What can we do? Paul knew how to fix it from a jail cell. Paul knew how to fix it. And it was pray. Man, when man comes kneeling before the Father with a humble and grateful heart, you better believe God will use you right where you are in the midst of your chaos. Do you believe God alone is only sovereign? Proverbs nineteen twenty one says this, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God is able to do extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and I by His power at work within them. Amen? He uses ordinary people like you and I to do extraordinary things that you can never even think or imagine. God already knows. I'm, I'm going to touch on the subject here, okay? Wake up as a church and, and find encouragement through this. God already knows who our next pastor is. He's already preparing His heart. None of this has caught Him off guard, okay? And if you're waiting around for the next... Can I just get off on on a soapbox? If you are waiting around for some man to show up and say, hey church, here's what we need to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. You are wasting time. Why do you need somebody to stand here and tell you that? It's the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Man, and and, and I sit back and I, I just think about my own personal life. What am I waiting on? Prayer. I'm not praying. Man, I, we need personal revival. I've heard so many people over the last 12 weeks say stuff like this. I know what we need to do. You know, we need to find a, a pastor who's this young or this old. We want someone like this. We want someone like that. Church, honestly, wears me out. As if God is up there asking us, hey, what do I want? You know, as if, if, as if this caught him off guard and he's texting us saying, hey, would you just tell me what you want, please? My wife sends me into Walmart. She's pregnant. Get me something chocolate. What? What does that even mean? I I mean, I go in and I come out and I've got like 15 different things and she just looks at me. But it's like, tell me what you want. That's not how God operates. He's not up there saying, hey, would y'all just tell me what you want. Tell you this much. God can speak through the mouth of a donkey in a burning bush. I'm pretty sure he has this under control, church. People come to me, Matt, just tell us what you need us to do. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to pray. I need you to pray. And I'm not talking about Uncle Joe who lost his dog. Pray for Uncle Joe that he finds his dog, dog, a dog, of course. But I'm talking about pray for spiritual awakening in this church, the church. I need you to pray for, for this church and to strive for unity. What if we took our concerns and preferences and we, what if we left them at the foot of the cross and just asked Jesus everyday, what would you have of me today, Lord? How can I further your kingdom today, Father? Jesus, help me be light to the darkness today. I need you to be praying for the power that Paul prayed in Philippians or in Ephesians chapter 3, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's called asking the Lord for personal revival. And why do we pray for this power? hold tight, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through, this, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth, what is the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you, you may be filled with the fullness of God. And when we do this, you better hold on, church, because this is where it gets good. Now, to him who is able, he is able, not to him who might be able, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Connect Four is a great game. I love it. But to win, you have to make the connection and know the strategy. We've got the, we've, we know the strategy. We know what the church is here to do, but we got to make that connection, church. I plead with you. The burden that's been placed on my shoulders over these last few weeks and months has been we have got to come together in real life. And there's there's not some big thing going on. It's just where we're at. We are so consumed with us, me included. Start preparing our hearts for personal revival and pray for that power. Otherwise, Paul tells us we're running aimlessly and boxing like one beating the air. So today, church, maybe wake up.